You're listening to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast with your host, Andy Plymer. For someone to explain. Bringing you up-to-date coaching concepts from the world of rugby. Sharing ideas to make the game better. Welcome back to the Rugby Coaches Corner Podcast, everyone. Thanks for joining uh, for part two of uh, my chat with uh, Keir Wenham Flat on pre-season strength and conditioning uh, programming. Last episode, he had a chat about his uh, general philosophies. Uh, we kind of went over the, the entire program very quickly, and then he went into more detail on block one. In this episode, he'll go into more detail about blocks two, three, and four. Uh, he also mentions uh, the prelepens table, which is uh, something I've used uh, since talking to him and uh, something that could be uh, handy to strength coaches out there. Talks about uh, some of the loading uh, that you need to take into account for block four, which is which is quite interesting. Uh, we we talk a little bit about uh, Charlie Francis and his high low um, strength and conditioning philosophies, and also we go into uh, we finish off with uh, talking about triphasic training uh, based on Cal Dukes' book, which I mentioned uh, in previous episodes and is also up on the website. So I hope you enjoyed this one. Uh, it was a good, good chat with Keir. I learned a bunch. Um, as I said in the last episode, I'm not from a strength and conditioning background. So it was very educational for me and I uh, hope you get a lot out of it. As always, if, you, uh, if you're if you interested in what we're doing, uh, you like what we're doing, uh, leave, a, leave a review on iTunes or, or throw us a tweet on Twitter and um, you know keep the conversation going. Hope you enjoy it and thanks again for listening. Then in your block two, we've said that the goal is to build on the foundation of block one mm-hmm. and to develop general maximal outputs, speed, strength, and power. Okay. Um, so for that reason, you're going to emphasize those. Okay. Uh, the proportion with which you emphasize those is probably going to be emphasized, so it's probably going to be dictated by the position of the guys that you have in front of you. So if you've got front row guys, they're probably going to focus more on strength than they are power or speed. But if you've got wingers, they're probably going to focus more on speed than they are on um, Strength and power. Yeah, okay. You know, everyone needs everything, but the, the quantity that you need varies by position and by individual. Okay. And so that's you would cater for those those guys then in that programming? Uh, yeah. I mean, it would. what would change would just be the, the volumes. Okay. So to give you an example, I had a kid when I was at London Wasps. When he was 18 years old, he benched 180 kilos and he was squatting <laughs> in the twos. Is he strong enough? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Like he was already he was already as strong as international second rows. Yeah. Do I need to focus on maximal strength development with him yeah. in that phase? Yeah, probably no, not. No. I can concentrate on power and um, and speed development. Yeah, so it might, absolutely. He, he would come in and you know do for example three sets of three at seventy five percent, which is absolutely nothing. And then he he might do ten sets of sprints and six sets of power because that's what we really want to focus on. Mm. Uh, and, you know, I'm just chucking numbers out there. I, I think a really good resource for you to check out is uh, Prelepin's Table. How do you, what is that, sorry? Prelepin's Table. Yeah. P-R-I-P-E. Yeah. Uh, uh, oh, no, sorry. P-R-I. Let me spell it out. P-R-I-L-E-P-I-N. Prelepin. Okay. Soviet weightlifting coach. And yeah. basically, he did exactly this exercise with his weightlifters over the course of about 30 years and thousands of weightlifters. Yeah. So he's identified, you know, if you want to develop this quality, here's how many sets you need, here's how many reps you need, here's the ranges and so on. Okay. Um, so that's your phase two. 
then in your phase three. So we, sorry, we, phase two, like the accessory work and um, the ASD, you'd be there'd be a lesser focus on that and more on correct. strength, power, um, speed. Exactly. Work. Exactly. And, um, where do the pliers fit in with that? So you know, um, I can tell you how we do it. Mm -hmm. It's up to you how you want to do it. Yeah. So our progression throughout the four phases for plyometrics, jumps, yeah. and medicinal throws is as follows: in phase one. We don't care about how fast you are or how reactive you are. We just care about can you land safely because if you can't do that, then everything else falls down. So the goal of the phase one is jump, hop, and bound in all three planes of movement with safe joint positions. Okay. In our phase two, what we use is extensive plyometrics. So we're doing a higher volume, lower speed, more relaxed uh, execution of plyometrics to lay the foundation for intensive plyometrics in phase three. Okay. And what we tend to do is make it general in phase two. So all of the exercises apply to just general running and jumping. And then in phase three, we select plyometric jump or med ball exercises, which we feel have a high degree of specificity to the place position mm. for reasons that we've already talked about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Sweet. All right. Cool. So again, that that you can make a judgment call and say how much general extensive plyometrics does a prop need to do? Not a lot. How much does a winger or a center need to do? Probably quite a lot. Um, so that's your phase two. In terms of your phase three, it's probably going to be speed, strength, and power again, but you're going to be executing in a manner which is more specific to the player's position. So we've already talked about the plies. That's how you would implement that. Um, in terms of the power, we actually just use general exercises for everyone until phase three. So in our program, you do jump the barbell jump squat, barbell uh, bench throw, push jerk, trap bar jump, and that's it. Okay. But then once you get to phase three, we're selecting position-specific exercises um, based on what it is we feel the athlete needs to do best. So we tell them, you know, write it down on a postcard, what do you do better than anyone else in the world? And whatever their answer is, um, that informs the physical qualities that we're trying to train and the, the technical qualities that we're trying to train as well. Okay. Um, that's up to you to decide what's specific yeah. to your guys. But, you know, for example, I've, I keep using the, the distinction because it's really easy. Props push, wing and sprint. Mm. What are the qualities under, underpin pushing? Well, it's horizontal force development in the, ranges that, uh, the, the range of movement that you see in the scrum. It is uh, isometric strength large amounts of uh, extension at the hip, knee, and ankle. Yeah. When you're talking about sprinting speed, it is limited range of movement that we've seen during, during the contact um, phase of, the, of sprinting. It's very, very high speed. It's very, very reactive. It's driven by the glutes and hamstrings and hip flexors, and you've got short contact times. Mm. So that, that would be an example of why maybe we use isometric back squat to train position-specific power in a prop, whereas with a winger, we might be doing uh, plyometric bounding for distance. Okay. Right. Um, that's your phase three. Then in your phase four. So again, uh, like uh, ESD and accessory work, um, you you they're there, but not in a in a high volume. They the function they serve is to support everything else rather than be a goal in in, in themselves. Okay. So you know, by the time you get to phase three, your accessory work is basically to make sure they don't lose any muscle mm. and to keep the body in balance. Mm. And that's basically it. Okay. Uh, I don't think you are going to, if these guys have been training for any appreciable amount of time and you know, they're, they're eating okay. You're not going to get much muscle mass on them. Yeah. 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 And then your phase four 
because the the goal of the program is to maximize performance um, and we know that performance is fitness minus fatigue you may have accumulated some residual fatigue earlier in, in the training program so your goal now is to reduce that fatigue to maximize the expression of fitness mm -hmm. so for this reason everything pretty much has a retention load and not a developmental load in phase four yeah so i would advise you to get in and do absolutely the bare minimum one because it's going to reduce that fatigue and express fitness better and two it's going to free you up more time to concentrate on the tactic tactical and technical aspects of rugby performance which is going to have a far bigger impact on your performance than than what you've done in the gym yeah so on in um that's that's the part i found really interesting in uh, triphasic training was he he, g he gave some recommended loads of like pretty pretty low right like in the 30s like 40 percent. yeah exactly and that's what we like we've stolen that in argentina throughout the world cup we used no more than 40 percent of one rm yeah. that was it yeah. Um, we had one week where we used it as a, a retraining block against Namibia, yeah, but then all of that, our, yeah. our bigger games, like, you know, we did 40%. That was it. By the end of the world cup against, um, South Africa, you know, our, our, um, our gym sessions were 20 minutes, 30 minutes, including a warm up. Yeah. <laughs> and then they go and sleep. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You, you know, like I said, like you, you cannot make them any better. Um, you know, the week of a game, you can make them a lot worse, but you can't yeah. make them any better. Yeah. And you often make them better by doing less. So that's how I'd advise that you kind of structure those blocks. Um, and then based on what it is you are trying to develop in each of those blocks will inform how that you progress those qualities throughout a block of training or a meso cycle of training. So, you know, for example, if you're targeting work capacity in phase one, mm -hmm and you're emphasizing accessory work, well, you know, work capacity is the ability to do more work in less time. So it might be that you progress that block of training or that aspect of training in a density fashion. So, you know, more sets within a given time limit, or it might just be a straight volume progression. We're going to do two sets this week, three sets the next week. Uh, then we're going to increase the weight, two, three, increase the weight, two, three, and so on. Mm -hmm. um, if it, you know, the same would be true of maybe ESD. If you're doing low intensity, steady state cardio, um, in the initial stage of training, which is nothing wrong with it. Um, we do a ton of it. That's a, that's a more volume based progression. You're just going to increase the time that your guys are doing in that regard. Okay. All right. Uh, if you know that in phase two, you are going to be doing maximal intensity sprint work because that's a general output that you're trying to, um, uh, achieve. It makes sense that in block one, you're going to progressively raise the intensity week after week to make sure that you're ready for that. So you're not going to progress volume there. You're going to progress intensity. Mm. If you're training uh, strength, it might be a combination of volume and intensity. So, you know, I mentioned before, increase the volume one week, increase the intensity the next. Volume the next, intensity the next. Because okay. that's going to help bridge the gap between where you are now and what you want to be doing in, in later phases of training. Um, and that's that's... It's, it's fairly general, but that's how I'd say basically you need to you you want to be progressing um, different qualities throughout the, the block. Um, in terms of your weekly structure, um, you know, I'm assuming we're going to fit seven day turnaround for all of these games. Yeah, for their club season. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They they basically start they start their club season middle of May, and then they'll be like doing their club season after we've done. So they, they wrap that up in, uh, 
end of September, early October. Okay, so they have no club games whilst you're whilst you're running the show until May, correct? Uh, yeah, they, basically the first week of May is tends to be when people have or late last week of April, people have uh, trial games and stuff like that. Okay, cool. But so, they will have they will have club practice. Usually, clubs start um, you know in February, starting indoor training. Um, cool. Okay. Yeah. So let's say roughly, let's say you got three to four weeks where you're in, you're completely in charge of the program, mm-hmm. no no battling the clubs whatsoever. Yep. Then you've probably got struggling here. Let's say is it maybe. 12 weeks where you, you got club training. Yep. And then you've got like the remaining weeks is just going to be with trial games or intensive club training, right? Exactly, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So in terms of the first three weeks, you can pretty much do whatever you want with them. And I think you need to strike a balance between what you want them to do and what they're going to do. So mm-hmm. I think in that instance, you're looking at maybe four to five days of training per week. Um, in terms of the club training, I think the same. And then in terms of the remainder of those weeks where they've got games, you're pretty much just looking at training Monday to Thursday, assuming uh, a Saturday game. Yeah. yeah. So speaking about the weekly structure, um, how much do you know about um, high-low training by Charlie Francis? Uh, I know the name Charlie Francis. That's it. Okay. Well, you're in the right. You're in the right country. He's <laughs> I think you were telling you were telling me about this when we spoke last time. Eh? There's no. There's no medium intensity. It's either you're 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 high or it's low. There's nothing in between, right? Exactly. Yeah. Okay. So what, the the philosophy goes like this: when you're dealing with um, field sport athletes like rugby players, mm-hmm. we've said you know speed, strength, and power. Although it's not the the be all end all because we have tactical, technical. In terms of physical, it pretty much is the name of the game. If we, if we can develop bigger, stronger, faster athletes, you know, that's, that's great. Um, how do you need to train to develop those abilities? You need to train in a near maximal fashion. Um, and the problem is, is that stress is the central nervous system. Yeah. And when you stress the central nervous system, you need between 48 and 72 hours to allow that system to recover before it is in a state of readiness to be able to train hard again. Um, so the problem with that is, you know what happens if you're training on alternating days like if you train high cns activity the day after you've already just done it what happens and the answer is is that either you create this progressive decline in function um well i mean that's that's what's going to happen and when you create that decline you're either going to deliver a subpar training stimulus which means that you're not getting the most out of the time that you have or you're going to significantly increase the risk of preventable injury and that's the most important thing in any program is to not break them yeah so the solution to that is that you alternate days within the training program, which are more central nervous system intensive and days which are less central nervous system intensive. And put simply, anything that is uh, higher force and higher speed is going to be central nervous system intensive and anything which is lower force, lower speed is not going to be. Um, and like I said, Medium doesn't work in training because when you're dealing with stubborn physical abilities like speed, strength, and power, you need to deliver a strong stimulus to the body. Otherwise, the body will not be coaxed into uh, adapting. Mm. Um, and the problem with medium training is, is that it's intense enough to interrupt recovery, but it's not intense enough to adapt. So if you're going to interrupt recovery, you make sure that you get the benefit of adaptation out of the, out the bargain. 
So for that reason, you have to schedule high days and low days and no medium days. Yeah. With some small exceptions. Okay. Um, and small exceptions would be days where you're or blocks of training where you're you're trying to progress the intensity up to that level. So for example, that block one that we talked about. It might be that when you do speed work in block one, you're doing like tempo work or or work at like 85% of, of maximal velocity in order to prepare the body for the development of speed down the line. Okay. Uh, but generally speaking, definitely about speed, high is over 95% and low is less than 70%, and anything in between you don't do. Okay. For those reasons that we've outlined but yeah. in terms of outlining the general um structure of the week which which days is it you're going to be with the guys oh no it doesn't matter sorry it doesn't matter yeah any any school sessions are sunday and it's uh every second week so yeah they, they're doing this individually um okay so we can we could give them advice like on on when they have their high and low days um but then it's comes down to their you know they're working they've got families their their own structure and stuff like that cool um how intensive will those skill sessions be um it'll be yeah it'll be up there um it'll be it'll be quite intense every yeah everything is is games based so they'll be they'll be going hard for that period and then they'll get a little bit off and we have to get a lot of a lot of the contact work because that that's our biggest challenge um is will be ball in contact um, yes. for us to do well in this championship. We will be the probably the smallest size side, but um, the the more skilled, I'd argue. Um, and um, yeah, so that the, the contact part of the game is going to be a big focus. Okay, so you know straight away that's a high day, right? Mm, yeah. So if we work backwards, you know, forty eight to seventy two hours, that gives you a high day of either Thursday or Friday. Okay. And um, and then you work backwards again, and that will give you a high day of Tuesday because obviously Monday is one day after Sunday. You can't have a high day on Monday. Okay. So I would suggest that Tuesday is one of your high days. Yeah. Sunday is one of your high days, and then that gives you one more day in the middle, uh, and it can be Thursday or Friday. Uh, which which do you think they're going to be training with their clubs more likely? Uh, they'll be training. Usually it's Tuesdays and Thursdays they train with their clubs. Perfect. Mm. Okay, so you can, the suggested format of your training would be high days, Tuesday, Thursday, Sunday. Okay. Um, so, you know, any, any work that you do, you know, like uh, speed, strength, power work, you're going to schedule it on those days. Okay. In terms of your low days, let's schedule two more days for, those, for that first block um, because you know, six days a week is unrealistic for amateur athletes. You know, even five might be. Yeah. Um, so in terms of readiness to train, that is, you know, how receptive is your body to perform high-intensity training? Um, you need about a day um, to get towards high readiness of training. Um, so that means that I would say, you know, you can probably schedule a low day on Monday mm-hmm. and then you can probably, probably schedule another day low day on saturday and then what that is going to allow you to do is get a little bit of training into him for the high day on tuesday and then a little bit of training and also it will aid recovery from the sunday and then that saturday session will give them a little bit of training as well to get them primed for sunday yeah and so that gives you um monday tuesday thursday saturday sunday the tuesday thursday saturday sunday yep no worries okay yep um and then basically, you can retain that format of training for the the weeks where they're training with their clubs, and all you're just going to do is scratch the Sunday when they're not with you. Yeah, exactly. Okay. 
So then that gives you Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, Thursday, Saturday. Yeah. And then um, once you get into club training, so, um, club competition, as I said, it's going to be Monday to Thursday. And because they're training Tuesday, Thursday with the club, that's going to be high. So basically you have Monday low, Tuesday high, Wednesday low, Thursday high. Okay. So in terms of the content of what is uh, a low day, I think you can program accessory work, no problem. Um, you can program um, any kind of really light strength work, so anything that's less than 70% of one RM. Okay. Um, you can program really light aerobic conditioning. You can program um, low-level plyometrics. So if it's just doing like basic deceleration mechanics, uh, you can program change of direction uh, technical work. You can program even some tempo work and some, some technical development work for speed. But anything that's like actual sprints, real intensive power uh, and ballistic stuff, anything that's strength work over like 80% or so, uh, and, you know, hypertrophy or accessory work to failure and intense conditioning will go on a high day. Okay. Uh, how you want to set up your, your training on that five-day week is up to you, but I would suggest that, you know, I like a structure where on a Tuesday is the first lower body focus of the day, and that will be a squat variation focus. Okay. And then the, the final high day of the week would be a deadlift uh, focus. And that gives you the middle of the week where you can make it a bench press focus on the high days. Um, and then obviously you would perform accessory work to support that. And then on the other days, the lower days, that's when you can do like single joint frontal and transverse plane work, um, a little bit more kind of bodybuilding style work. Yeah. Uh, and that's in terms of the gym. And then in terms of the, the speed stuff, uh, I would say you're going to be doing more uh, linear speed development on a Tuesday and on a Sunday. And then I would cut it out on the Thursday again to give your legs a little bit of a chance to recover. And then on the Monday and the Saturday, that would be if you wanted to program any change of direction, agility work. Okay. Uh, in terms of your uh, plyometric stuff, that's probably going to be your Tuesday, Sunday again, because you're trying to consolidate all of those stresses into your uh, lower body. Yeah. You would chop it on the Thursday. And then you'd probably put medicine ball throws in your low days. Okay. Uh, or once it gets more intense, you can stick it on your, on your, your middle day in the week, the Thursday. Okay. Um, accessory work. I've, sorry. Um, power work is obviously only going to be on the high days because yep. it's power. Yeah. Strength work. Again, exactly the same. Accessory work, as I've said, is going to be more single joint bodybuilding further from muscular, muscular failure on the low days. And it's yeah. going to be multiple joint, higher load, closer to failure on the high days. And it's probably going to support the primary lifts that you're training in the gym. Okay. All right. So, so it might yeah. be you do, uh, if we're squatting on a Tuesday, it might be that you do a single leg squat, a single leg RDL and some ab work on a Tuesday. And if yeah. you're benching on a Thursday, it might be that you do uh, standing military press, single arm dumbbell row. Uh, and floor press, for example. Mm -hmm. And then you might do something like glutes and hamstrings on a Sunday when you deadlift. Yeah. All right. Sweet. Then in terms of your, yeah, you can maintain that four to five day week when they're with you. Mm -hmm. uh, the good thing about this as well is you can schedule some speed work when they're with you on the Sunday. Yeah, that's definitely 
Good. I've, I've, I've put aside, like we, we basically have two hour session when, when we're with Perfect. them. So at least half an hour on that will be, um, uh, cardio and speed work, but the speed coming first and, um, focusing on running mechanics early on in the piece and then, and then building it up from there. And are they going to get a lift in with you while you're there? Uh, they will not. No. Okay, cool. Yeah. Again, so, only those two dates where there's, um, the, uh, the okay, instruction cool. and the testing. Um, okay. Yeah. If I were you then, and you've programmed, well, I suppose I'm just think. The challenge is a lot of these guys will be driving uh, two and a half hours to a session. Uh, okay, yeah, right. So they're very spread out. Um, okay. There's a core group who are uh, a core kind of Montreal group who are downtown, and so I'm looking yeah. for a venue where we can where we can go on a semi regular basis. Um, but cool. yeah, it's it's a challenge. So it may be that once you in in those weeks you would sacrifice one of your high days on the Sundays in terms of lifting mm-hmm. and then you would just do speed work on that day. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is fine. Just when um, I have them. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, that, that will cover you pretty much all the way through until they start to play games. And then you're into your kind of in-season model of, of organizing the week, which is going to be low day on a Monday, high day on a Tuesday, low day on a Wednesday, high day on a Thursday. Okay, and then yeah. the way that I would advise you to structure that is, you're going to do your linear speed day on a Tuesday and your change of direction speed on a Thursday. Okay. You're going to do your upper body, sorry, your lower body strength and power development on a Tuesday and you're going to do upper body on a Thursday. Okay. And then obviously the accessory stuff that you do will, will be reflected by that on Tuesday and Thursday. And then uh, if you are going to condition them, it would be on a Tuesday. Okay. That would be it. You know, you don't really want to be doing it on a Thursday because then you're starting to get a little bit close to games and you have to reduce the stress anyway because of everything else that's going on um, in terms of uh, training and competition. They will generally I, – I, it's, it's club by club, but generally they will, clubs would do their conditioning on that Tuesday night. So um, they'll get a conditioning stimuli then, but it will vary from club to club. Cool. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you can't, you can't control too much. No, exactly. Um, yeah. Then in terms of daily structure, uh, the, the general guideline that you're looking for is a progression from velocity to force throughout the day. And that's because of the technical demands of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And that's because of the injury risk and central nervous system stress as well. So, you know, top end sprinting work is one of the most technically difficult CNS fatiguing and risky things that they can do. So okay. for that reason, it comes first, and then you would progress. In you know, I've already kind of indirectly mentioned it. The order is linear speed into plyometrics, jumps, and medicine ball throws, then into ballistic power, then into strength, then into accessory work, then into ESD. Mm-hmm. And I would advise you wherever possible to keep that structure. Um, okay, so that's on. A, you're you're now on like. We're this you know the that's the order of how you do it yeah yeah okay and you know if if you're on a low day then it doesn't doesn't really matter what order you do it <laughs> yeah yeah okay it's, it's low so yeah. it would be you know we've 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 done it where we do gym in the morning just because logistically it's easier then we'll take them out do a bit of light rugby then we'll do some light conditioning it might be that we condition and lift in the morning we do rugby in the afternoon it's you know it's it's whatever way you want to do it okay that's right and that's kind of. Um, yeah, I think that's a lot to be on with for now. I mean, have you got any other questions? Um, just fitting in there, the main, the main thing I wanted to kind of incorporate was 
the the triphasic squat movements. Um, oh, and, fuck, I forgot everything there. Sorry. Yeah, yeah that's all right. Um, cool. And just how and when, like I, you know, you touched on it. The props obviously need a bit more ice, or they need isometric strength. Uh, it's a big one. Um, yeah, just like oh, the way I was looking at that first that first block, those two lots, three lots of four weeks. Yeah, that, that would kind of work well. Um, it would. With, it would. With going from eccentric to to um, Iso Isometric to, to, to concentric. Concentric, yeah. yeah. Um, I so there's there's pluses and minuses to that program. Okay. The pluses are obviously that you have to emphasize all three contraction types throughout the prep in order to optimize force production. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously the the advantages of the eccentric stuff is you get control. The advantages of the isometric stuff is that it teaches you strength in difficult positions like the bottom of a squat, the bottom of a bench, and so mm-hmm. on. Um, that's good stuff. The difficulty is is structuring the week um, optimally. Yeah. Um, because as we've said, we've only got three high days, and sometimes you might have to drop one of them. Mm. So that can be really difficult if you know. Oh, sorry, I'm I'm getting ahead of myself. But anyway, um, that's a negative. A negative as well is that um, occasionally guys are going to get sore. So the general feedback I've had from myself and from other people is you can say, right, we're going to do four weeks of isometrics or four weeks of eccentrics. Mm. Once you start to get to week four, it can start up. to be it. And I mm. think you just have to factor in the fact that he's written the book and he's training Division One athletes yeah, in exactly. the States. Yeah. Top of the genetic heap, really, really young, loads of training. Yeah. So what I've done is stolen and adapted a model from a guy named Sam Portland, who yeah. I work with at Wasps. Yeah. And rather than structure it how he outlines in the book, which is, you know, for example, we're going to do three weeks of isometric, three weeks, sorry, three weeks of eccentric, three weeks of isometric, three weeks of concentric. Yeah. yeah. Um, you're actually going to train all of those throughout the week. Okay. But what you're going to do is just rotate through the week. So you're going to have an eccentric day, an isometric day, and a concentric day. Okay. And what that allows you to do is keep them relatively fresh mm-hmm. and not necessarily get beat up with eccentric after eccentric after eccentric or iso after iso after iso it just changes the stimulus a little bit yeah um what it's useful for as well is you know when you're dealing with the the book for example if you have eight weeks you know you might do two weeks of this two weeks of this or sorry three weeks of one three weeks of the other and then you've got one more block where you can only do two weeks Mm -hmm. what this allows you to do structuring in that manner is to give you an opportunity to emphasize all of them equally and dedicate uh, as much time as you want to all of them equally. Yeah, you're not you're not like six weeks away from your next isometric or something like exactly. that. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And you know that's why I found it's it's a little bit easier to to implement. Yeah, it sounds a bit like that. The on the nervous system, that eccentric stuff's um, pretty brutal, right? Yeah, and you know if you think about what he's talking about, like. Mm. He's in charge of the Olympic sports at Minnesota, which yeah. means that those are stopwatch sports, a lot more control over individual athletes and so on. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, like, he's purposefully trying to overreach them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you're dealing with athletes that don't have that level of support and you don't have that level of control over the program, you don't necessarily want to be overreaching them. No, exactly. Yeah. 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 So like, my goal was, so, yeah, just like elements of it uh, in the program, um, but definitely not the, the high stress that he like the Russian-style stretch or the Bulgarian-style stretch that he yeah. was mentioning. Cool. So, I mean, you can do – I think it's up to you how you want to structure it. Um, mm-hmm. I've structured it a lot, you know, a different way, but 
I think yeah, you can you can do you can make Tuesday for the first few blocks your eccentric day. Yeah. And there's no reason why you can't train, you know, upper and lower body together in those sessions because it's still quite early. Yeah. Um. Then I would make you know Wednesday your isometric, sorry Thursday your isometric day. Yeah. And then maybe make your Sunday your, your concentric day. Okay. And just keep working through them in that fashion. So and you do um, would you do RDLs? For um for concentric stuff like because he he was big on staying away from regular deadlifts using triphasic yeah. right I think I think what you are trying to develop will dictate what which exercises mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. so you know doing pause deadlifts is probably not the best idea yeah um so for that reason you might do pause RDLs or pause, uh, eccentric RDLs. Okay, yeah. But if, if you're doing a deadlift on your concentric only day, you might as well just do regular deadlifts. Regular deadlifts, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, some days a concentric day and that's the deadlift, yeah. Day, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I mean, that's, yeah, that's, okay. that's another I structure it in that because when I do do triphasic with my guys, I'll, I'll do eccentric back squat on a Monday plus an eccentric bench. Then I'll do uh, isometric bench, bench, isometric front squat on a, on a, a Thursday, and then I'll just deadlift and bench on a, on a Sunday. Okay, nice. All right, so squat and bench. So is it on the eccentric, it was squat and bench. Yeah, that's and the way that I. Okay, sweet. Yeah, I like um, that. But if you if you want to cut one of those days, mm-hmm. you'll probably just cut the concentric day only mm-hmm. because re- it's rare that that weakness is going to be the concentric. Normally, it's going to be the yeah, eccentric exactly. and isometric, which is the weakness, and it's that's the one that's going to be the kind of bottleneck to performance. Yeah. Um, which yeah. emphasizing that is going to give you more bang for your buck because it's a newer stimulus as well. Yeah, and these guys are unmonitored, so <laughs> they're not going to be watched, so they're going to be doing enough concentric work to uh, keep them busy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right, yeah, that's perfect, man. Um, yeah, maybe we could touch base via email and um, I'll, I'll, uh, I'll put some – I've got like five pages of notes that I've got to <laughs> make legible and, uh, yeah, we could uh, maybe chat. Um, via email further on this if that's all right of course mate yeah sounds Happy great days. yeah awesome see you take it easy bye bye mate thanks for listening to the rugby coaches corner podcast if you enjoyed the show please leave a review via itunes and keep listening for the next episode you can also follow us on twitter at rugbycoachscnr or via the website at therugbycoachescorner.com. Until next time, keep sharing ideas to make the game better.